Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. It's a nice day. I want to talk about living and dying in D&D. And I'll talk about that right after this. Okay. I just want to kind of go over how much danger is too much danger in a game. What do you think? Because you have stat rolls. You have saving throws. I see stat rolls as proactive. I see saving throws as reactive. Because proactive, you're trying to roll something to do something. And and saving throws are rolling to avoid something. Okay? And in old school, you have five, you have five saves. And sometimes I feel like there should be a sixth save, save for stupidity. Unfortunately, that that won't work because one, it, it's not really practical. And number two, if it was practical and it was a thing, players will be using it all the time instead of thinking about stuff and reasoning stuff. You know, I mean, I figured out a long time ago that you can do intelligence roles or wisdom roles. If I always were, when I started role-playing, when I started in D&D or whatever, I always worried about how do I play a character that's smarter than me? And that's what the stat rolls are for. If you're not as smart, if you can't figure it out, it's a way for the GM to give you a little nudge. And saving throws are the things that, you know, you get kind of a second chance. You know what I mean? Uh, things like that. So how much danger is too much? How much, as a player, how much how, how much are you willing to let your character go through for, for the goal, for the reward? And on the GM side, how much are you willing that NPC to let it, to go for the reward? Because you got sometimes the major NPCs, you got to think about that. That'll affect their plans. Now, here's a hard here's a hard the, here's a hard pill that everybody seems to have to swallow that don't like it. You got to understand, characters die. The world is dangerous and characters die. I don't care what edition you're playing. I don't care what role-playing game you're playing. Except for maybe a couple of genres, like the super genre, where death is rare. Or if you're playing Tune, which isn't really, you know, you don't have death. You might want to put paranoia in there because you have seven clones. But people our characters die. Now, I say this to a player, as a player, but I'm also saying that to the GM. Characters die, whether it's an NPC, a big bad, or a player character. I have to say that to GMs too. The reason being, if you're any kind of a GM like me, I root for the players. And you put them in a situation where you hope that they will be cognizant and intelligent enough to deal with it. And you also, but on the other side, you also hope that the dice will be kind to them. 
because there is no guarantee that the dice will cooperate with them. Okay? And I see this all the time because I want the characters to get through this so bad, but I know I've got to be kind of pulled back and kind of, you know, neutral about it. So, but I want them to do it so bad. You know, I've got my ways of dealing with things behind the screen. I can adjust my monsters behind the screen. I can fudge, you can fudge dice behind the screen, you know, that kind of thing. But what do you do when you want this player to make this role and you give them every opportunity to do it or any kind of edge and they still blow it? What do you do? How how would you like, I mean, first of all, it's it's not good for a GM to force an outcome. Okay, with anything. That's that's part of railroading. I don't you know, force a, a, a line of questioning, force a line of adventure or something like that. So what you gotta do basically is take it on the chin. Now, if you can I, I've been I've been because I've done this, I've been behind the screen and the player's like, make a dex roll to get across that chasm. I rolled a two. Well, you made it. Or roll roll a strength check to climb up that wall. I rolled a 19. <sighs> okay, you get up about a foot and you fall back on your butt. You know, what are you going to do? I'm not going to penalize them for trying. You should never penalize them for trying. You know, but you know, sometimes the situation, but you're going to, you're going to make, as a GM, you're going to make situations that are going to be, there's going to be life or death out there. There is something that's going to save or, that's going to cause them to save or die. And it's just one of those, okay, roll, save or die. And you just close your eyes and hope they make it. That's the kind of thing you have to do. You got to take, sometimes you got to take it on the chin and they don't do it. So they get hurt or they die or whatever. Okay. And you just gotta, gotta deal with it. As a player, I could probably de- I could probably deal with it better as a player than I can as a GM. Now I never set up situations where the entire outcome of this encounter hinges on the the uh, story. Hinges on that whether the story goes on or not. Never do that. Never do that. That is not a good thing. But you should be able to, to mitigate this somehow. Okay, say the player loses the character. All right, fine. Roll up another character. We're going to keep going on. Because my kind of games, it's like a five to ten minute you know, character creation. And... Then as a GM, okay, I've got my character. As a GM, how do I introduce this character into the game as part of the group? And the, and if you like you're in the third level of a dungeon, you're down there, how do you introduce this character? Well, there are several and sundry ways of doing it. You can have them be tied up down there and they got to rescue them. Uh, maybe they're part of a larger adventuring party that all got slaughtered except them. That kind of thing. 
And you just, you know, you just got to deal with it that way. Um, one thing I like to do, and I always encourage this to my, for my players, is having them hire hirelings or henchmen. Because the easiest thing in the world, if his character dies, okay, you get one of the hirelings or henchmen. And I will let them, I will let the player flesh it out a bit. You know what I'm saying? Because my my hirelings don't really have much in the way of stats. They may have one or two prominent stats, but that's about it. And some equipment and things like that. And it's like, okay, here's the hireling. Go ahead and he's got a high constitution and he's got a high dex. Go ahead. I will I will say, okay, keep these stats, roll the rest of them. And, you know, he's got X amount of hit points. He's wearing this kind of armor. And this is the equipment he has. Okay, you're fine. You're part of the party. Let's go. Okay? That's a good thing. That's an easy thing to do. And if the fight is too tough, okay, let's go, go to like an encounter, encounter with a big bad monster is too tough. I can adjust. Um, I can, I can do something. Uh, this is, this is one, this is going into the, con- the, the uh, controversy of what do you do behind the screen? You should, you roll out, you know, from under. Um, but, I think it's great if they if the characters play something smart, like putting them up against some kind of big old um, let's make it a minor demon, which can be pretty tough. And say the demon has 150 hit points, okay? And the characters are like second, third level, and they get lucky, but if they play it smart, I'll, I'll make a mid-level, more like eighth or ninth level. Okay, he has 150 hit points. They're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. They figure out, if they figure out something like that demon's weakness, then what I, what I want to do is, hmm, okay, you just threw a cold bolt at him. He's a minor demon. He hates cold. Cold does more damage to him. So what I will do in that case, say they've been whacking and whacking and whacking at the demon and he only takes real damage from like magical weapons and magic. So you throw a cold bolt at him. Oh, he's, he's, if they found out he's vulnerable to cold. Okay, fine. I throw a cold bolt at him. Okay, roll your damage. Okay, but don't roll your damage the way you usually do it. Roll percentile. That's your damage. You hit, roll your percentile. Because that reflects the demon's weakness and how he can really get messed up with this weakness. So they roll their hit. Okay, the cold bolt hit. Bam! Right in the middle of the chest. Roll percentile. What'd you roll? 76. Boom. 76 hit points gone off the demon. That represents the demon's weakness. Also, it makes the it makes the player characters feel really good and the players really good. And that's what I want. I run everybody to enjoy themselves. And, you know, a couple of more kobolds like that and this thing is done. So, he's going to change his tactics, things like find a way out, maybe 
you know, teleport Banff out of there or something or throw some some skeletons at them or whatever. They're going to start looking for an escape plan. All, all big bads should really think of it. See, there are big bads who are, are different intelligence. Ones that com- prepare for something like this, like a, you know, this is a contingency plan. If this happens, you know, peace out. I'm going to teleport over here or I've got a henchman who's going to grab me or blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. But one of the ones, the ones who are not, are like average and less intelligence, they may be more animal intelligence. Now, animals have a fight or flight syndrome. We have a fight or flight syndrome. They use it. There's going to be a certain point when they find out that they, the, the battle is not going their way, they may start looking for a way out. You know, live to fight another day, all that kind of stuff, which is good. Because that way the players feel they're getting they're getting somewhere. They're actually making a difference. And I mean, if they're out for blood and they want to kill it, you know, he's he better hurry up and figure out how he's gonna get out of there. Uh, I would the smarter ones would probably throw more minions at the at the players and then just like book, you know, boogie out of there. Something like that. But yeah, even the even the dumber big bads, even the dumber ones will start thinking, oh man, this is not going the way I wanted to. I think I'll, I think I'll go hide or go leave or go whatever, you know, maybe he has a, maybe he has smoke bomb that he just throws and he just, with all the smoke, he gets away, you know, smoke and mirrors. Maybe he's got a secret trap door that he can hit and he can drop through to a river and get, get out of there that way. You know, they're going to find, trying to find a way to get the hell out. So there's that. But, and, you know, I just wanted to talk to you guys about, you know, living and dying and maybe some tactics and a few, you know, there's a GM pointer or two in there. But like I said, saving throws are there for a reason. Stat rolls are there for a reason. And playing smarter is always better than just I hit, you know, I swing my, I swing my axe. You know, I'm not a great tactician as a player. I know I'm not a great tactician because I can't think several. I cannot think several moves ahead, but I can think one. I can think like one move ahead. This is what I want to do next turn. Okay, I was going to take that guy out, but you took him out. Okay, change tactics. You know, change targets. Something like that. Uh, what I learned when I used to play champions is the way you, the way you defeat a supervillain team, is to focus on one. Everybody focus on one guy. You may have a super who's like all defense, you know, keeping you guys safe, but focus on one guy, take him out. Then you all focus on another guy, and you just start picking them off. That's how you do it, and that goes for D and D too. I mean, yeah, you're all going to be in different fights, but. At the same time, you know, if I give the signal, everybody who has a ranged weapon, fire on this guy. Or if you're next to him, swing on him. Yes, you'll be exposed to the other guy, but you can you can take that kind of damage and swing on this guy. Fire and swing, and boom, 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 boom. He's gone. You know, and then you go right up to, start working your way up the food chain. Let me put it that way. 
but that that is a that is a real great tactic to do. Anyway, all right, I gotta go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognardgmail.com and drop a voicemail on Anchor. Um, if you if you want, huh, where where is my head? We are monetized, so as little as ninety nine cents a month, you too can help support this program, and I would thank you. Uh, single donations, my Kofi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard, or my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Soares, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Brodell, John Allen Large, and Aaron. Thank you very much. Here are other good podcasts. It's Dan, Gre- Dan Gregg at the Young Y-U-N-G, Y-U-N-G Young Grognar Podcast, Kevin at the Red Caps Podcast, Daniel Norton's Bandit's Keep Podcast, Randy and Joe's Biggest Geekest Podcast, Big John Allen Larges, The Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and, t- and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognar at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air.